Welcome to the Multiverse of Badness, the podcast that is rebranding itself as a true crime podcast because it is truly a crime. More people don't read fun comic books. I am your host, Mike. And of course, I am here with a man straight off of Swansea's most elegant comedian list, the jam in my jar. Please welcome Zach. How are you today, bud? I think the only true crime in the next half hour of content <laughs> is the trilogy that we had to endure. Now, Thanks to this week's very special guest. And Mike, would you like to take that opportunity to introduce the Mob Squad to uh, who we have to blame for my lunch break being ruined today? Well, it is a good Twitter friend of mine that I've known for a couple of years. We uh, kind of volley back and forth radically on Twitter. We met through a mm-hmm. fella named Daniel from the Mustachio Podcast, you know, who the Mob Squad is familiar with, as well as the Whack Brackets team. But we have on a comic book author, and <gasps> some of the credits to his name are Kung Fu Panda, White Picket Fences, Littlest Pet Shop, and The Creeple People. And he has a couple more that he's currently working on. I will let him tell you about those. Please welcome Matt Anderson. How are you today, Matt? Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to ruin your lunch break. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to choose uh, comics that no one should ever have to read. I mean, just this is just honor upon honor stacked, and I appreciate you it. You have the audacity to make <laughs> us read three comics, not even just one. Yep. Three comics. Three that actually have a decent amount of dialogue in it. <laughs> There's a couple pages where it's like, oh, God, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, you got us a little in a little beef about our uh, scroll kill crew, buddy. Thanks for that. That was actually the first thing I was gonna <laughs> want to, you know, just clear the air about. Okay, guys. <laughs> so I saw the episode come out a couple weeks ago about the scroll kill crew, and it wasn't the Morrison Millar one. It was the one from Dark Rain. So I was like, oh wow, I love that series. And what's wrong with you? I hadn't listened. I hadn't listened to the episode yet, but I was just. So excited, I was just full of like foolish joy <laughs> that I was like, I'm gonna quote tweet about it. And I had kind of interacted with the writer of it, Adam Felber, on Twitter yeah. before about it. And I know like he enjoys like when people bring it up because it was the only thing he's ever written for mm-hmm. comics, otherwise, TV novel. He's a TV guy, novelist guy. So I was like, great, you know, I didn't expect that he was gonna listen to it. Okay? <laughs> like, I thought. He responded to my tweet about how I apparently liked it more than the guys on the show. And I was like, and, and when he did that, I still hadn't listened to the episode yet. It was only a couple hours later. Right. Spoilers, Adam. Spoilers. So I was just like, oh, man, like, what did I do? And then, like, <laughs> you know, I see Mike kind of chime in and like and then, you know, Adam's chiming in. And like this all day, this thread goes this this exchange on Twitter. And uh, and at, at a certain point, like. You could tell it was a good-natured thing, but I did have that, like, pang of guilt. Like, did I just throw these guys under the bus, like, without knowing it? But, you know. If I may take the opportunity to speak for both me and Mike. Yes, we throw a lot of shit about <laughs> on, the com- yeah. uh, on the podcast, but I don't know about you, Mike, but I have the utmost respect for anyone who does anything oh. creatively to that point. They get the, That's yes. a finished product out on the fucking market. Like, I do not yeah. have the drive or ambition to do that. So, 100%. you know, silly comments aside, fucking hats off to you, Adam, you talented yeah. bastard. <laughs> and again, you know, one thing I have to say, speaking both as, you know, from a professional side of having been handed a property that I don't know anything about before being given the job, 
you know, this came because um, the editor, Stephen Wacker, he was friends with Adam and had basically like lured Adam to like come right with the promise of, hey, you want to probably do like a Spider-Man thing. Which, oh, who would who who would say no? Yeah. Right? Like, because even if you're not a comic book guy, you figure like, OK, Spider-Man, sure. I can get my head around this. Yeah. And then it's after he agrees that like the 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 curveball is thrown of like, what about Scroll Kill Crew? <laughs> you got to earn that Spider-Man. And it's like, I, re- I remember, and actually it's so funny because when the series was coming out, I read, I think it was like on Newsarama or something, they did an interview with him. And he gives this answer that I think he thought was very funny, but it turned, you know, it really kind of almost sounded like a jerk thing to say to comic yeah. book fans. Because he basically goes, hey, like, well, do you remember when, um, you know, there's the Kree and the skulls were fighting and then there was like these cows that they transformed into? And he sets up the Kree Skull Scroll War, right. which, you know, comic fans at least are aware of it, if not know it. And he goes, well, yeah, I don't remember it either, but here. And that was his, <laughs> the start of his answer. And I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. In his defense, that is a hard story to get your head around. It's the Skrull Kill Crew. Well, you know what else is hard to get your head around? Justice League America, March 1994. The cult of the machine storyline, which... Matt brought to us today, which is going to be an interesting discussion. So thank you for this, Matt. I probably have some explaining to do. A little explaining to do. Well, I'll tell you who's got some explaining to do is Superman because he's just an absolute dick within the first three pages of this book. The new JLA, most of who I don't recognize, are standing around going, hey, Superman's supposed to show up, and then he shows up. Not very good artwork, in my opinion. He literally comes down and says, you guys kind of suck and just flies off. I want nothing to do with being in the JLA. I've never seen Superman wasted this hard outside a Jimmy Olsen book. This is wild. <laughs> hey, now. Can I just, for, for a second, and I will do this in a very brief way. Uh, this is post-death of Superman, post-return of Superman. You'll see in it, he's got the long hair and stuff. Just prior to his death, he was the leader of the JLA for the first time since the Crisis on Infinite Earths reboot, when he had been basically retconned out of being a member of the Justice League. So he joins for like eight issues prior to the death of Superman as the leader. This was uh, not to use a, a kind of almost a DC pun, but there was an identity crisis, like literally it happening in these issues, <laughs> right? Like it's, this was a book that had no idea what it was. Um, image is huge. Yeah, X-Men yeah. are huge. So what do you do with the Justice League? I don't know. Try and make it like one of those books, but you're still the Justice League <laughs> and you're C-level Justice League at best. So – like, this is, like, some weirdo, like, cover of what was <laughs> authentically good or bad. Like, Image Comics, Extreme Comics, all of that stuff that was big at this time, quality aside, they were what they were. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, a cover version of them. And it's a sad cover version of them. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. The first thing I think of when I want to duplicate the success of Image Comics and X-Men and really push the envelope is I want to have a birthday party for one of my members. We get that. Hey, it's Ice's birthday. She's going to hey, get cake. birthday, Ice. But also, in true image fashion, Ice doesn't even go to her own birthday party. No. Spawn wouldn't go no. to his own birthday party. You can't expect <laughs> Ice to either. 
Dude, she's going to skateboard out of there going like, later, losers. That's the image way. <laughs> well, yeah, we get this whole sidebar about the birthday, but we finally get introduced to a partial villain in this uh, kind of train wreck of a comic. We are introduced to Randolph. Which I don't really necessarily know if he's a villain or a conduit to later villainy. Yeah, I'm... I'll let Matt explain a little bit of this because it seems a little wonky how he and the villain in this come across one another. I can't account for Randolph, although I will say <laughs> it, it amuses me to no end a two-person cult. <laughs> like, like, they don't even try to, like, give it. Like, this is a husband and wife bickering. <laughs> like, this is not a cult. I, I mean, if it's a cult, then, like, you know, two days out of a week, in my house is a cult. Like, <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> I mean, not only is it a two-person married couple cult, it's a two-person married couple cult who reside in this giant, glowing, pink, Eiffel Tower-looking temple. Who built that? Like, because it seems like they have not interacted with this, some kind of machine god, some kind of thing, but that's not what they actually end up either summoning or bringing about. It seems like, much like how Iceland, didn't go to her own party. Well, Dream Slayer crashes this party. It's like he just kind of comes in. It's like he's like, "This is my place now." So, I don't know. I basically, live here this, now. this temple is a extremely large antenna that they are using to signal the computer or the machine or whatever it is that. No one knew how the internet worked. No one knew what it could do. So it was like. It was like how everything in the 90s became like very literal when like so in like they're talking about like surfing the web. It was like there was always um, surf imagery. You know, it was always <laughs> visualized like that way. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Hackers, but like no. Fisher Stevens character literally is like skateboarding and like surfing through the information super highway. Oh, yeah, that's how he like hacked. Oh, my goodness. You know, and it's like so I think that's this. It's just everything about computers is actually real. <laughs> I guess. Well, well Sadly, as we mentioned, the FBI's here. They're about ready to arrest Randolph. He summons the computer god. Supposedly, he gets the Dream Slayer instead. We get to see that in a little bit. But before we do, we have a fight at the birthday party. Woe is us. And then all of a sudden, we find out, like, there's earthquakes and shit going on. The Justice League's going to go solve the earthquake crisis. We're not... I'll ask Matt. I'm not even sure how that relates to what's going on with this. That comes in that the following crossover. Uh, story. Ah, you see, because I've been racking my brain all afternoon how this story caused so many natural disasters and they didn't follow up on any single one of them. No, no, I love it. <laughs> this iteration of the JLA does not seem to like one another very much. This references back to champions because... At this point, Wonder Woman's like, we have to take care of the earthquakes and help these people. And Captain Adam's like, well, the FBI's calling. And Wonder Woman's yeah. like, well, you know what? Why don't you go to take care of that? To serve a search warrant. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Calling Captain. Like, that's, that's how little the world thinks of this Justice League is they think they can call them to serve a search warrant. And they're right. <laughs> like, that works. <laughs> like, I mean, I may think I could call, like, the White House to get something done. It's not going to happen, but I could have that delusion. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> well, she tells our boy here, yeah, you go, you know, you take care of that. And as he's going to take care of it, he just punches another member of the Justice League in the face. And he's like, come with me. 
Who is is this the Finn or who is uh, this is Ray. Ray? Yeah, I don't know the this Ray. guy. The Ray. He's like a cut rate Nova. It looks like. Oh, I for real thought it was um, Doctor Fate for the longest time. I was like, well, who's this edgy teenage Doctor Fate? Okay, you 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 got it. Basically, edgy teenage. Yep, you're right. Um, this was one of um. This and Azrael were Joe Quesada's um, co-creations for DC. Okay. Oh, right. Azrael is in the Batman stand-in. Yes, yeah, yeah. So he did the original miniseries called The Ray, A Blaze of Power. And then there was uh, an ongoing series that starred this character for like 50 issues almost. And it was actually pretty good. It was written by Christopher Priest and Howard Porter was the artist pre-Justice League. So honestly, like, you don't get a bit of his character in here. He's just the young gun on the team a little over, you know, in over his head. He's actually a pretty good character. Well, he and Captain Adam are definitely in over their heads because they go to serve that warrant and they don't get a simple door knock and, uh, oh, you know what? Oh, we're scared of you. They get this motherfucker called the Dream Slayer. Yep. So I was ignorant to the Dream Slayer. I decided to do a bit of research before the podcast. I went to youtube.com uh, and oh. I typed in Dream Slayer. Nothing comes up. I type in Dream Slayer DC. A uh, few videos of like top 10 weird DC villains came up. Nothing specific. I typed in Dream Slayer DC Comics. One video. One video comes up, Matt. It was in I Spanish. I couldn't, couldn't watch it. <laughs> I could watch it. I couldn't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just because you can't understand the language doesn't mean you can't see it. <laughs> Sorry. So, that, <laughs> so that's our first issue. The second issue, pretty much, we've come to the conclusion that, yes, uh, Dream Slayer's a badass. We know this now. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know what he does. Like, they, there's no extra. Dream like, what, Slayers, Dream Slayer? it's in the name. Like, what was that? Yeah, <laughs> never seen any, there's nothing about dreams in it. I don't think he slays, like, particularly. No, no, you are incorrect. Three yeah. random people have bad dreams at one point in the entire three, st- three <laughs> oh, book yeah, arc. That's right. Three yeah. random people. Okay. Okay, yeah. But, like, you can imagine, this would be, like, someone that, like, you know, a few years later, like, Grant Morrison would pluck out of obscurity yeah. and find some way to reinvent Induce. That's the only way I could see this character coming back. Yeah. You know, someone would do the, like weird reinvention of it. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, we'll talk about this near the end. I'm not anti-Dream Slayer in this, honestly, but uh, I am anti this story because pretty much I'm going <laughs> to spoil the second book for you here as quickly as I Are you can. You're going to speed okay? run the second book. <laughs> um, because it's fucking awful. It's a filler issue. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's weird to have a three-part story with a filler issue. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a little bit too much story. <laughs> right, yeah. They, one issue needed an extra page. That's all. Yeah, so Max Lord says, hey, we're going to throw the whole kit and caboodle at the Dream Slayer. And they're like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Fuck all the earthquake victims. And then we get some yeah. more infighting. And then there's a guy named Tio Moro, which Tio is Morrow. yeah, which is tomorrow. I get it. It's a clever pun yeah, to play yeah, on Yeah, it's words. an old Silver Age guy. Yeah. Usually a metal man foil. One bit. <laughs> uh, the, maybe the one bit of the book I did like. Obviously, he's a time traveler. So when he goes to bother Max Lord, he's got a list of things that he knows are going to happen, including Max yeah. says I'm yesterday's news and Max gives me $50. And by the time he gets kicked yeah. out, he's got $50 in his hand. He, yeah, he sold no. himself really short there. He could have gotten a lot more money. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know, because I, I I could see Max Lord also being the kind of guy that would, like, give him the $50 and then, like, pick his pocket, like, before he's out the door. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Well, the, the one thing that does happen in this that's of note for the third issue is that our 
quote unquote uh, poor sap of a Branch Davidian wannabe still <laughs> believes that the Dream Slayer is this computer time whatever guy. And for yeah. some unknown reason, and Matt, explain this to me, he cranks up the transmitter, which apparently makes the Dream Slayer stronger. I didn't think they were related to one another. They're not related. Um, you're right. It works because they say it works. Okay, I, I, we reason. haven't no had one of these reason. in a while, but I'm going to officially say I don't think this book happened. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. You know what? This book does, like, as you get through the storyline, it seems like it's eating itself because the backgrounds disappear <laughs> in the artwork. So it's like, it, you feel like it's trying to phase itself out of time, but it just lasts long enough to, like, hobble to the finish line. <laughs> and I will say one image I like, even though I think it's kind of gaudy, is the last image in the book of the Dream Slayer where he's, like, super large, and I think he's he's a badass-looking guy. I'll give him that. He's, he's fended off yeah. the JLA. He looks like an imposing villain. I like it. Yeah. How can you make out what he looks like? The artwork in this book is so busy. It is insanely <laughs> yeah. oh. busy. Do you do you ever wonder if like you can get like an epileptic seizure from like still images? <laughs> Me and Mike had this exact conversation before you jumped on the Zoom. I shit you oh, not. Seriously? <laughs> Cause it feels like it doesn't. It, it is yeah. wild. Like honestly, the, the ink budget on this book alone must have put DC in the hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the cover price of this book was $27 when it came out. <laughs> Worth every penny. <laughs> so finally, issue three. And we're not talking the Dream Slayer anymore. We're not talking the JLA anymore. All of a sudden, Dark Side's here to flex his big yeah. dick around. We're um, teasing the next storyline. Okay. And um, in a way that uh, I don't think Dan Vado as a writer has ever read dark side as a character before <laughs> because the dialogue's okay. I mean, like it, it, it's fine for what it needs to be, except for the line where it's like, where dark side's like, and what's coming is like more powerful than me. It's like dark. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. Dark side's not going to say something is more powerful than me. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he might, he might say, it could succeed in a way that maybe I I couldn't, but it would be like a lateral thing. It would be like, I could totally do it too, but like this thing can do it too. But like dark side is not, is not admitting any form of like weakness or that something. And that really, um, I don't know. It really bothered me, which is weird. Cause like, I'm not even that like attached to dark side as a character, but it just felt like a moment where it's like, yeah, they have no idea. He has no idea. But it's not even like, really just dark side because one thing that really struck me when reading it is that given that our main uh, antagonist, the Dream Slayer, is a dimensional dream villain who has taken yeah. over a temple and used its power to magnify himself, and he calls the Justice League twerps. Yeah. Like, it's uh, really you know, kid-friendly in the dialogue. May, <laughs> you never know what that means in another dimension, though. That could be yeah. like... Yeah. Like, what did you say? And if you no, are listening in that dimension, I apologize. I didn't mean to act word. like a twerp. <laughs> yeah, we need Daniel from the Mustachio Podcast yeah. to fill this guy's mouth with words. This thing will get ugly fast. <laughs> he could be Dream Slayer's anger translator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what really pisses me off most about this book, okay? Because the good news is, is this is going to wrap this three-issue arc. The bad news yeah. is, is right on the front cover, it says Rage Against the Machine. Tom Morello, 
Not in this book. No, not at all. I did not see one guitar used as a turntable in this entire book. Who are you? <laughs> okay, I was going to make a killing in the name of, but I lost it like right as I was going into it. Because I did get distracted because where, where we're at in the story, I'm just looking at, and not to jump on your spot, but like oh. if you guys were like confused before about this roster of the league <laughs> and all, all of that stuff, right? And you're thinking, okay, we're now in part three of a story, so I should at least – have some bearings just yeah. just just by nature of being did you then expect that like oh another member of the league is going to come over and take over as the star exactly not only just adding in that extra flavor it's now about them they are the crux of everything that's happened yeah. up until this point and he's also the most confusing element of this era of the league um bloodwind that is like i don't know if you guys know who he is nope. or how or anything he, he's supposed to be, at this point, the Dr. Fate stand-in as the foreman. Okay. Like he's, um, it's actually great if you read the Wikipedia for him. Um, I love – whoever wrote it just did a bang-up job because their, uh, <laughs> their, their opening line of it is, Bloodwind is a fictional necromancer. And I was like, thank you for pointing <laughs> that out. Well, not now I know. Um, Blue Beetle especially was always suspicious of him. And then it was revealed that he was actually Martian Manhunter. What? Oh, um, yes, of course. Not, Thank you, DC. Mind controlled to take on this uh, persona and do these things because he like it was hinted at like he had all the weaknesses of Martian Manhunter, all the fears and all that stuff. To add further confusion, it turned out that, well, that wasn't really it was the case. But there was actually also a character named Bloodwind who had been trapped in a gem that he wears uh. on him. He was imprisoned in there. That's the real Bloodwind. And actually the villain, Rot, with two T's. Um, had somehow taken control of Martian Manhunter and forced him to disguise himself as Bloodwind to do something. No idea why. <laughs> this is people's jobs. This is your the job. Justice League, <laughs> the Justice League somehow frees real Bloodwind from the gem. He takes a spot on the team. Martian Manhunter leaves. But now people still don't trust him because they don't think they know who he is. And that's where we are. And he, uh, uh, prior to this in that two-parter, that introduced Dream Slayer, mm -hmm. um, he battled Dream Slayer, which is referred to in this issue. Yeah, when you explain it that way, it all makes sense. I was about sense. to say, Matt, forgive me for saying, but I probably knew more about this situation before that explanation. That has confused Matt as did much. Did you notice I did that all without notes? <laughs> <laughs> you, what you didn't see, <laughs> Mob Squad, is that his eyes rolled back into his head. Uh, he started <laughs> levitating about three inches off the floor. It was... I went to a fugue state and just <laughs> yeah. like... Yeah, we had to play running up that hill to get him out of it. <laughs> so now we have more fights going on. All of a sudden, I guess the Dream Slayer's mad bored. He's got more important shit to do. So he brings on a whole new team to fight the JLA. This is the new extremists. Yeah, so the new, new that, extremists. Huh? Yes, the team. Are they the ones who sang, you've got the music in you? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> So, so yeah, amazing. more. They're talking yeah, about more, who, whose asses they'll kick the whole time. Actually, <laughs> speaking of Where asses, are Beck and Hanson, let me out. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they come out. They, Dream Slayer lets them loose, and he's like, "Where are oh they?" Oh my Where's god, they're Beck trashing the mall. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, speaking, yeah, Jubilee is going to be heartbroken. <laughs> now, speaking of asses. For some reason, and I hadn't seen this this blatantly in a while, whoever drew Wonder Woman's ass here really wanted to draw her ass cheeks out. But you can see that's kind of what they're going for, right? They were finding the palatable to DC equivalent of the image style. 
mm-hmm. is, is, is the best way to put Image it. Image style like, while still being comics code compliant. Exactly. And yes. <laughs> well, at this point, the extremists are not faring too well against the JLA. And thankfully, we have our true hero who kind of started out as a villain. Maybe not a villain, but... A conduit to villainy. <laughs> conduit yes. to villainy. That's right. He is villain adjacent. And he finally said, and it's funny because his wife, I guess, is like, oh, my God, the JLA is whooping this extremist ass. They're going to think we did this. And Randolph has a plan to put an end to this whole fucking misery. You remember that tower that he's been transmitting from that for some reason made the mind slayer, I was going to call him because I'm getting all confused with the attracted him. Yeah, the mind flayer, the dream slayer. I'm getting them all convoluted. But he's finally come up with the plan. He's like, this is not the God I brought. This is just some douchebag. We got to get rid of him. Matt, what do they do to get rid of? Again, this is Randolph. The JLA has had the entire time to fight this guy to no avail. But we have one guy who happens to be a cultist. And yeah, yeah. so let's just. Can we can we call it like he's doing a hard shutdown or like control alt delete? Like I'm trying to 90s this, but no, basically <laughs> there's a gas leak and he just bangs you with a crowbar. And blows up. <laughs> yeah, this weirdly like odd interdimensional tower has gas lines running through it. Yeah, and I love the fact that not only do they have gas lines running through it, it warns you on page 17. It says danger gas leak. I do like before Randolph explodes all his problems away that you do get the confrontation between the Dream Slayer and Randolph, where Randolph tries to plead one last time with his god to forgive them and to let them have a life, and the Dream Slayer says, You're a moron. There is no machine. There never has been. All there is is me. <laughs> and, 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 like, why would Randolph, like, he's not under the impression that this is his god. Like, why would he even think he could plead to it? Like, I get if it was, like, he, like, if it was the machine god and he'd devote his whole life, maybe you might have some standing to, like, get a couple words in. But, like, <laughs> you brought the wrong thing. Like, that, there's no negotiating. Like, yeah, this is like some WWF wrestler bullshit here. Yeah. It's just, hey, you know what? I got a different villain. I'm just going to use him. So finally, we're at the, thankfully, the Dream Slayer's been eliminated. Back at JLA headquarters, you know what they like to do? They like to fucking bit at bitches each other. So yeah, yep. Bloodwind, fuck you. You're a prick. Yep. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here comes a new guy that we get introduced to, who's actually an old guy, I think from 1964. Oh. Yeah. Our good friend, Vandal Savage. Oh, yeah, brother. Yeah. With by far one of the craziest proportioned full face images of a comic book <laughs> character I have ever seen. Judgment Day is next. Thankfully, yes. Judgment Day is up on this comic book from our side because we are done with it and we are going to rate it. Now, Matt, you may not know, but we've changed our rating system slightly. We okay. used to give it stars, etc. Now we've made it a little easier. We have a multiverse of gladness and a multiverse of sadness. Okay, and I we're also just, have your old rating system, just so you know. So oh, you, you want to? Yeah. Okay, well, you know what? Go ahead, throw it in here. It's a fr- We're free balling here. Give it a shot. All right, all right. I've got two because I couldn't settle on. Okay, so my category, like how I would rate this out of is either where am I in time and space, which (laughs) I give it about a 1.5, or Booster's janky armor, I give it uh, like 
Yeah, probably a one because the armor sucks. So, like, what <laughs> is the style. range of mobility in Booster Gold's armor? Um, it, it's it's a Hulkbuster. He's wearing a golden Hulkbuster. Yeah. Uh, and this is the better version of the armor. <laughs> this is the yeah. new and improved armor. Before it was a literal tin can. So, <laughs> so finally, <laughs> gladness and sadness for Zach and I. Would you like to say a sad or a gladness, Matt? Something. Tell us something that you liked about this. So I will say that this is the equivalent to me of a bad movie that you still find enjoyable knowing all of its faults, especially if it's something that you feel captures a time. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I chose it, you know, chose it is because the 90s are kind of cool again in comics. Like there's a lot of modern comics that are referencing it and stuff. But it was a pretty lonely place to be for a while, to be the kind of person sitting there going, like, the 90s weren't as bad as you remember. <laughs> or they weren't as bad in the way you remember or stuff like that. So while this was bad, I, I think you can't get better as, like, almost like a time capsule of, like, what DC in particular, but Marvel as well, was trying to do because Image was just speeding them constantly. And, in like, what could they do to stay relevant, which is right. weird to think of in the days that Marvel and DC are unshakable in their dominance. Cause even any company you get now that makes waves, like they don't make waves in the same way, or they're never a real threat to Marvel and DC. But in this case, at this time in the nineties, image beat them. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a weird place for these longstanding companies. They suddenly have, like I said, an identity crisis and they feel like they have to play catch up and they do it in the most slapdash way. <laughs> And in that, I find a little bit of charm, but also just a unique time capsule. So this is kind of like the crystal Pepsi of comics. <laughs> this is. It's in interesting times. <laughs> well, when you're writing jack shit like this, yeah, you're going to lose. Well, oh, OK. No, I was going to say with the writer. One last thing. The unique little fact here is Dan Vado at this time and to whatever degree it still exists. Do you guys remember like underground indie like darling press slave labor graphics yeah. also then eventually slg dan vado is the publisher and editor holy shit so no while way. he was writing this he was the guy that was finding like was that like roman dirge and like milk and cheese milk and he got fucking Evan cheese. Oh, okay so i will officially take my hat off to dan vado milk and cheese is my favorite comic of all time okay dan vado is the reason evan dorkin had a platform God damn. like he published so you in 94 so Dan Vado, during the day or night, whichever one was the night job, whichever one was the day job, was writing this storyline and looking over original pages of Evan Dorkin's Milk and Cheese. That's one man <laughs> doing those Hats things. Off, so, Vado. So Hats this is a paycheck to him. Yeah, yeah. That's if that I you know I almost feel like I should have led with that because maybe that gives some context <laughs> to like Dan Vado was you know wrote a handful of good you know a, a decent amount of dc books but it was definitely yeah like I, I get the feeling it was i need to supplement this you know slave labor uh right <laughs> work hey uh dc <laughs> <laughs> i'll single-handedly destroy dc from the inside as well yes. zach gladness buddy gladness uh, apart from that whole dan vado revelation honestly the only thing i could really bring myself to like in this book was the very short sequence that we get with Tio Morrow. It was out of left field. It made no sense in the general scope of the story. Obviously, Matt, you may know, but 
does it play into effect? Yeah, eventually it it, it runs into a storyline. But yeah. so again, <laughs> you know, it was one of these little uh, teasers for the future that you get peppered throughout this story. But I just thought it was charming, just the whole idea of him being like a down on his luck time traveler who was like, <laughs> well, I guess I know I can get fifty bucks if I go down this route. so gladness for me a couple of things i did like the dream slayer i really thought that i think that written correctly with powers flesh out a little more um like at a finer level he looks like a serious threat um i don't like the fact he was eliminated by a cultist yeah like an occultist yes but he has legs i could see him in the right situation being fun to revisit and the other thing i like even though i don't like him when he's petty i like superman when he's an absolute (laughs) dick bag and he was that in this (laughs) so so i'm happy about that sadness matt there's plenty of it give me one thing that you find sad about this whole mess Ice is one of my absolute favorite characters, and she's given nothing here. Like <laughs> she's given a birthday party she doesn't yeah, go she's to. She's given like, everything. She's okay. <laughs> and spoiler alerts for comics that are you know almost twenty years old. The next storyline, she's the major character that dies. Like that's oh, the God. that's like there's going to be a big earth shattering event that like and it kills she her. didn't go um, to her last birthday party <laughs> you see that's what they were going for you you finally you finally got you gave them the response they were hoping for because no one pieced that together i don't know on the the giffen dematteis justice league do you were you guys fans of that if frogman wasn't in it we've probably not read it <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I won't do. But there's a storyline that they do um, in the 2006 called I Can't Believe It's Not the Justice League, um, <laughs> where they, they reunite as a team with uh, Kevin McGuire and leave it to Jim DiMatteis to take something that was so poorly done in 94 and make a really touching moment that pays off so well in 2006. Huh. So so if anything, just. I'm sad about how Ice is treated because she does not get to go out in any real way of ceremony. But at the same time, I guess it does kind of lead to a good moment. So, All right. Well, good. Yeah, JMD Mateus can save just about anything. Zach, yes. disappointments about this, what made you sad? Apart from reading it, I would say. <laughs> no, come on. No, that's that's that a bit mean there. It. Genuinely, the artwork. And, I, you know, Matt, as you've alluded to, they were desperately oh. battling to keep up with Image. And it fucking reeks of it. You said earlier in the podcast that it's a bad cover version. And I think you absolutely nailed it there. It is. It feels like a desperate ploy from a struggling company. Mm -hmm. 100%. (laughs) On on, on that sad note, Mike, what's your sadness? (laughs) You know what? My sadness is a lot of what you kind of said here. The artwork is visually stunning in all the worst ways. I mean, it is when I say stunning, I mean, it leaves me confused and dazed. I feel stunned because your it is eye just, doesn't know how to follow it. No, it's it literally is just a mess of color and shape and not form, though. There's color and shape, but there's little form. <laughs> well, and again, there's no backgrounds for 90 percent of the no. fight scenes like you. They're technically I think they're in Colorado where they're fighting. Right. Isn't that like where the. <laughs> two-person cult is like it's too yeah. hard to see there's too much cross hatching going really on doesn't have anything it, it's <laughs> like it, it's just color backgrounds i, I thought colorado had mountains and not not one here <laughs> yeah i mean we could talk about 
the storyline being wonky, that's one thing. But when you throw the wonky storyline over something that is visually impossible for your eye to read without hurting, it just made this feel more like work than I wanted it to be. And even though I think there are some good elements I actually to scratch at, I mean, I like a good three issue arc. I find a three issue arc to be about perfect. Two issue, mm-hmm. three issue, you get a little yep. more going on than in one book. They keep on bringing in other things, which if I were a fan of the book, I actually wouldn't mind it as much. It seems like a little too much going on all at the same time that you're trying to bring in, but I love it. You're riffing until you can find something positive. <laughs> like you're just like, uh, I'm, I'm going to filibuster <laughs> until I get there. <laughs> Isn't that just adult life? Well, yeah. Wonder Woman's ass is glorious. Right. There we go. <laughs> You did. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, uh, Zach, with this new segment, I've got Mike's tasked me with coming up with a new name for it every week. And this week, we are going to be playing Enjoy It or Destroy It. So, Matt, as our guest, uh, it's you go first. I, I, you know, I, we could probably take a guess where you're going to land on this, but did you enjoy this book or do you want to destroy this book? I'm going to enjoy it with, with, with lots okay. of reservation, as I've said, but I. It, I can't uh, take away the the time capsule aspect of it because mm. it, mm-hmm. it's just so odd. You don't see it <laughs> like you just you wouldn't see this kind of desperation coming out of a major company. And in, 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 in it, like it's worth existing for that alone, not for the story, not for not for any reason why the creators would want it to exist, mind you. But yes, just for the melancholy feelings exactly. that it evokes. <laughs> well, I am going to destroy it with fire. Um, again, I really do think there's some positives here. I really want to, f- because this is about when I really let my comic book uh, brain finally turn completely off. I'm still trying to follow comics a little all the way through high school, a little bit into college, but things like yeah. this is really what kind of said, I'm just done with comics. I think that I wasn't, I should have gotten more into image comics. I wasn't. That That's totally on me. So yeah, but this is... Pretty rotten, so we had to destroy it, Zach. I know we are very hyperbolic and verbose at times on this show, and I'd like to just lead in with that when I say, bury this story in a shallow grave and forgot it ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) So if I ever get invited back, you guys will have to subject me to something. Let me, let me, let me. I'm just no, no. Honestly, there. this is this. You <laughs> are the first guest we've had who's had the goddamn brass to be like, right? If you <laughs> think you're doing badness, I am fucking <laughs> showing you what for, dude. Uh, you know what? You've gotten too many. You guys have chosen too many softballs for yourself. So just yeah. I was going to be like the fastball hey. special on this one to you guys. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I worked in a comic book store for like almost 20 years off and on. Oh, wow. So my general familiarity with a lot of things is also dangerous. Uh, <laughs> it's like I have very specific knowledge of some things and then just this general, like I was just around it <laughs> for so long. that like, right. I've just kind of absorbed information. <laughs> it's like me with absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> What's peace of mind like? All right. So on those notes, I think we are done reviewing JLA 86 through 88 from 1994 brought to us again by our host, Matt. And Matt, before we leave, I don't know if you want to tell people how to reach you if you'd like on the social medias or maybe you don't want to. That's up to you. Mainly it's just Twitter. Um, It's at Matt Begins. 
I've got some projects in the works. One that, let's see, as of this recording, I think in a, about three weeks, there should be a, a big announcement about, and it is um, been keeping me up at night because I've never worked on something so big. Oh. Can't wait. Figures. <laughs> Thanks for stepping on my big plug. So, anyways, that Twitter. was the announcement. That's what <laughs> the dog spoiled everything. That's my dog Porter, and he's just like, ah, no. But uh, <laughs> Twitter at Matt begins, and um, there's information about projects. I'm also super easy to get a hold of through there, and hopefully, uh, I'll have a big announcement very soon. Well, we are excited for you now, Mob Squad. If you are excited to get a hold of us, you can reach us. On the social medias at Multiverse of Bad on Twitter, at Multiverse of Badness on TikTok. See our one minute reviews. If you want to call us, text us, whatever you got, 1 949 I personally am partial to capybaras and guinea pigs. Zach, you can reach us as ever via Fashion Shoots with Beck and Hansen at multiverseofbadness.com. Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson at multiverseofbadness.com. And as always, you can reach us at your all fakes run to your mansions. Come around, we'll kick your asses at multiverseofbadness.com. It's amazing. Right, yeah. You get what you give, man. We are done this week. We again would like to thank Matt. And if thank you, you <laughs> have a large tower transmitting to the gods and you accidentally call. Someone else, because apparently wrong number, you probably called them via the telephone in the multiverse of badness. It's not when the sentence comes to the logical conclusion point. It's when you're just bored of saying it. You literally do the, the actual like out loud version of and so on and so on.